Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figueretti, for this week's message. Well, hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back. Uh, we Last weekend, if you uh, were not with us, was our Be the Blessing weekend. I want to encourage you to go back and watch that message and participate in Be the Blessing. Basically, we're trying to raise a bunch of money and do a lot of good with it in our community and around the world. And so far, and uh, I don't think all the money's in yet, but we're right now we're at around $45,000, and we've got a... All right, yeah, absolutely. And uh, we've, got, we've got some matching money left, so if you've not given, make sure that you do, uh, and you can send that in via check or get on the website and give there, uh, and then we've got the volunteer opportunities coming up and everything else. So check out Be the Blessing on the Vineyard website, and guys, way to go. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Well, you know, I, the last series, I think it was in the last series, we talked about um, how we battle not against flesh and blood, uh, that there's a spiritual battle going on all around us. Uh, and uh, this series that we're kicking off today, I want to dive into that a little bit more. Uh, we're calling this series The Spirit Realm, uh, and that's what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks, The Spirit Realm, and, and uh, answer some questions that people have and, and, and hopefully uh, pull us a little closer to the Lord in the process. Um, you know, have, have you ever been walking through the house at night, you know, going to the bathroom and the lights are out or maybe out for a walk in the woods or whatever, and all of a sudden you just sense something? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, not everybody has, but, but I certainly have, and all the hair stands up on the back of your neck and you're like, "Ooh, I'm not alone. What's going on here? And we kind of know that there's something, but we can't see that stuff happens. That stuff happens, and we're fascinated by it. Guys, there's something, there's something that draws people to pay money to go into a haunted house or a haunted hayride or, or to go to uh, horror movies. Horror movies are huge. And, of course, uh, fortune tellers and mediums and, and tarot card readers, that's all huge business right now in our world. And my question is, my question for you is, why all the interest? Why are people drawn to those things? And I think the answer is quite simple, actually. The, 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 the answer to that question is because the Bible tells us that God has written eternity into our hearts, that, that there's something inside of us that is connected spiritually beyond this world. And, and we're drawn to those things because... It's written into who we are. I, I like to put it this way. We're, we're not human beings. Okay, you are a human being. Technically, you're a human being. Uh, but we're not human beings that have spiritual experiences. At the core of who we are, we're spiritual beings who are having a human experience for a temporary period of time. And because we're spiritual beings, we're drawn to the spiritual. And it is written deep into who we are. In Genesis chapter 2, it describes the, when God formed the first man. And it says, Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground 
So it's painting this picture of God forms this clay uh, sculpture of a human being, but it's just an inanimate object. It's just a clay sculpture. But then it says he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Okay, so what's happening here? You got you to hang with me here for just a moment. God breathes into this, this statue, into his nostrils, the, the breath of life. Now, the word there for breathe or breath uh, has two meanings. It means breath like you and I think of. You know, we breathe in. Let's all do this together. Breathe in. Breathe out. Yeah, there we go. So it's breath, which gives us life for sure. But it has a second meaning in the original language, and that is spirit. God breathed spirit into that sculpture, and it became a living, breathing human being. Now, God put a spirit inside of each one of us. That's the real you. That's the real me. We are temporarily having a human experience. These bodies are just tense, and we live in the confines of these bodies, but you are a spiritual creature, which explains why you are drawn, why we as human beings are drawn to spiritual things. Do you know most Americans believe in miracles? 71% of Americans believe in miracles. Uh, 42% of Americans believe in ghosts. 41% of Americans believe in ESP, extrasensory perception. Over, over uh, nearly 75% of Americans believe in the paranormal in one way, shape, or form. It's a fascination for us. 29% of Americans believe in astrology, that somehow in the stars you can tell your future and where you're going. We like to think that we are a scientific people, that we're past all those things, but in reality, generally speaking, we're not. Why? Well, because too many people have had personal experiences with the spiritual. They have, you've, you've heard stories. Maybe you've had a personal experience yourself. And I think the other reason is what I stated at the beginning, where it's written deep into our hearts because we are spiritual creatures and we long for more. And if I know one thing about you, it's you long for more. Because there's a whole component of us that is spiritual. Now, Lawrence R. Samuel uh, wrote an article in Psychology Today in 2013 about this. It's fascinating. He says this. He says, the supernatural in America has increased in both volume and importance over the years rather than diminished. Given the ascent of science and technology over this same period of time, this is surprising and intriguing as all expectations were for the logic and rationalism of the 20th century to crush the mystical and superstitious ways of the past. Instead, however, the supernatural has run on a parallel course with science and technology the two seeming to feed off of each other. The more we go down the scientific and the technological rabbit hole, the more we appear to need the supernatural. In other words, the primitiveness, quote unquote, and universality of the metaphysical satisfying some sort of basic human drive. There it is. 
because it is inherently timeless and cross-cultural, the supernatural may once again emerge as our dominant religion. Interesting, isn't it? Kind of the perceived dominant religion of the 20th century and the early 21st century is secular humanism. It's, it's, it's science and we kind of, we kind of disprove God and, and, and we, we follow the science and, and the supernatural, that's kind of, you know, we kind of look down on that, at least in some segments of society, that's the case. But what they are finding is that you can't suppress this need, this longing for the spiritual in the human heart. And in the end, that will always be there. Now, one of, one of my favorite, uh, favorite sayings that we hear today is follow the science. You know, you just gotta follow the science. Uh, and I am not against science. I, I think science paints a picture of what God has done. It, it helps us understand the systems he's put in place and, and the way things work. And I think science is a wonderful thing. So please don't hear me talking down science. I'm not. But it's interesting that science points us towards, well, one of the, one of the topics in, in, uh, in the scientific community these, these days is this concept of the fourth dimension. Is anybody familiar with that, the fourth dimension? It's crazy stuff, it's wild. Uh, nobody's ever been there. We're not quite sure exactly what it looks like, but we know it exists. How? Mathematics. You're like, well, so mathematics tells us. That. Yes, mathematics helps us to understand that there's this fourth dimension, and it's, it's pretty much universally accepted scientifically. There's a dimension all around us that we don't see and we're not exactly quite sure how it works, but we know that it's there. Now, this isn't uncommon. Mathematics helped us understand the atom because we couldn't see an atom. It was so small. We were able to split an atom, but not see an atom, right? We were able to understand the dynamics of an atom, and the, the electrons, neutrons, protons, and now subatomic particles, quarks, and those kinds of things. Um, so we know things, because mathematically we can figure out what it is. Like we didn't know, we don't know that the universe is expanding because we went to the end of the universe and we were able to look back and watch it expanding. Nobody's ever been, how do you get to the end of the universe? We don't know, we know because of mathematics. Same thing with the speed of light, all the dynamics of the speed of light, we figured out mathematically. Well, math is leading us, physics and science is leading us to understand that there is a fourth dimension. Follow the science. Science tells us there's a, there's a realm all around us we don't completely understand. Um, back in the, well, back in the day, there was this guy, maybe you remember on television, maybe you don't remember. Uh, if you go look at his videos, they're, they're in you know, they're a little, they're not widescreen because so it was back a ways, you know, back when televisions were square. And, um, called Carl Sagan, and he talked a lot about, he was a scientist, and, um, and he talked a lot, and he was an atheist, in fact, and he talked a lot about this fourth dimension. And he said the easiest way to understand the fourth dimension uh, as human beings is to understand, take a step back, we live in a three-dimensional world, right? 
You guys know what I mean by that? Three-dimensional world, three dimensions. We have one dimension that goes this way, front and back. That's dimension one. We have a second dimension that goes side to side. That's dimension two, right? If you lived in a two-dimensional world, everything would be flat. You know, we can go this, I can go this way, I can look this way, I can look this way. We live in a two-dimensional world, everything's flat. But three dimensions, it goes up and down. Things have mass and, and, and all of that. And so what he said is if you stepped back and pretended that we were all two-dimensional, so we lived in this plane, it's just this plane, it's forward and back, side to side, all we can see is forward and back and side to side. We, have, we would all be flat, right? We'd be lay, lay flat and kind of move like this. And, uh, and we could go into our little flat houses and live our little flat lives. And we could see each other because I could look over and see, you know, and everything's flat. It'd be wonderful. We'd understand everything in our two dimensions. Now, if a three-dimensional object were to intersect with our world, we would only be able to see two dimensions of it. So, for example, say this pen comes into our two-dimensional world and it crosses our, our, our two-dimensional plane. Well, all you're going to see is a slice of that pen. Do you understand what I'm explaining here? So if you're two-dimensional and this three-dimensional thing comes in, you're not going to understand that this is a pen. You're not going to understand what it does. You're going to see a little slice of something come Come, come through. So this is as, as Carl Sagan is explaining this. So, so as a three-dimensional, this is some of you are like, blowing my mind here. Um, as a three-dimensional creature, human beings, when the a four-dimensional, something from the fourth dimension crosses our world, we only see a sliver of it. We don't have our arms completely around it. We don't understand it because we can't. We only see in part. Isn't that fascinating? So, but Carl Sagan believed fully that there was a fourth dimension. I was watching an uh, interview with a scientist on this, and, and he was saying, you know, uh, it's a lot like Monsters, Inc. And I'm like, Monsters, Inc.? He said, yeah, in Monsters, Inc., does anybody remember the movie Monsters, Inc.? Uh, all right, so if you, if you didn't see Monsters, Inc., it's this cartoon, Pixar cartoon, and, and uh, you've got these monsters, and they live, in this, they live in this other dimension, right? But they power their whole world on the screams of children. And so to get the screams of children, they show up in the closets of children and they you know, open the door while the kid's falling asleep and the kid screams and they have this device that captures the screams of children. They capture the scream and they take it back to their world and it powers, it's their, their energy source. It's a fun movie. Anyway, that's not the part that's like the fourth dimension, all right? But what, what he said is what they got absolutely right is they have this warehouse of doors. Do you remember the doors? Did we put the doors up yet? There it is. There's a door from Monsters. And they bring the door in and sit it down, and they open the door, and the monster steps from their warehouse where they're working into the closet. They step into another dimension. It's a portal to another dimension. It's like a wormhole is what they call it in, in, in the scientific community, into another dimension. And they show up somewhere else. <laughs> All right, so, so, and this guy's like, and that's kind of what it's like. 
It's like right here, but we can't see it, but you could open, and you, open you know, think Avengers. I mean, it's, it's crazy, mind-blowing stuff. But guys, if we follow the science, the science leads us to the fact that there's a world around us that we can't see, we can't measure, we can't touch, but it's real. Follow the science. John, in John chapter 1, Touch, bumps into some of this. He, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, he's talking about Jesus. We know this from the context of this passage. He's talking about Jesus was the Word. And in the beginning, there was Jesus, and he was, he was God, and he was with God. And he goes on to say, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And what what John is referring to is this concept, because this is something that Christians try and get their minds around, and we can't. And then we try and explain it to other people, and we're not very good at it because there's not a good explanation because this is happening in another dimension. But what he's talking about is the Trinity. You know, there's, there's Jesus There's the Son, Jesus, there's the Father, and there's the Holy Spirit. And they're three different personalities, three different persons, but they're one God. How do you get your head around that? Well, we can't because we just see a slice, but we have this revelation because God came down, became one of us, and explained some things. And we have this revelation from God. So we know a little more about it than we would otherwise because we've got his word. And he says, he made everything that we see. I, I like to think of it this way, you know, as a three-dimensional character myself, if I sat down and drew a picture, that we could, I could draw a world, right? I could draw, and it would be a two-dimensional world on paper. Well, Jesus, in a four-dimensional arena, speaks into existence, paints our universe in a three-dimensional way, paints our world and us in a three-dimensional way. I just think that's really, really cool. So the spirit realm is another dimension. Is it the fourth dimension that scientists are telling? I don't know. But the fact that they're saying there's a fourth dimension, I'm like, come on, come on. Uh, In the Bible, it talks about three heavens. Did you know that? One of the heavens that, that the Bible refers to is just the sky and the, and the atmosphere around us that we can see. The second heaven is the, uh, the stars and the celestial bodies and, and all of that. And the third heaven is the heaven that we think of when we say heaven. The Apostle Paul refers to this in 2 Corinthians 12 uh, in verse 2. He says this, he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Now, theologians speculate, Paul might be talking about himself. You know, he might be like, you know, calling into the, the advice show going, hey, I know, I, have the, I got this friend and he needs, you know. But, so it might be Paul, we don't know. Um, but he was caught up into the third heaven, it says. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. He's describing 
Well, we don't know what he's describing. <laughs> is he having an out-of-body experience? Is he having a near-death experience? Is he having a vision? Was he caught up physically into a spiritual realm? We don't know. And Paul's saying, I'm not sure either, but he was there. And he saw things. And it's interesting because people who have near-death experiences explain very similar things circumstances. It's like, well, I, it's kind of like this, but I, can't, I don't even have words to explain it. It's pretty cool. It's a look into the spiritual realm. In the Old Testament, there's a great story in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6 where the prophet Elisha is, keeps tipping off the king of Israel to what's, uh, what the enemy's going to do. And so the, every time the enemy tries to make a move, King of Israel's ready, their army intercepts him, they win the battle. And finally, their enemies are like, this is enough, we're going to go get that prophet. And so they send the army to where Elisha is, and they surround the city overnight, and they're getting ready to come in and take him. And in the morning, they get up, and I'll just pick up in verse 15, it says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the, the servant's like looking around going, uh, it's you and me, buddy. You know, like we got an army surrounding us. What do you mean those who are with us are more than those who are with them? And then Elijah prayed. He said, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Elisha had a, a portal, uh, a, a gift of prophecy into the spiritual realm and this conversation going with God and, and, and obviously was able to see things that other people couldn't see. It was, a, it was a supernatural enablement that he had. And so he prays and he asks God to allow his servant to see what he's seeing. He's seeing into this other dimension where he understands now God is all around. His forces, his angels are all around we're going to be okay. We don't get to see into that, do we, very often, if ever. But it does happen. Now, you might be thinking, why don't I get to see that? Like, I'm kind of bummed out. I would like to see that. You probably don't. It'd probably scare, scare the bejeebies out of you. But different people experience spirit, the spiritual realm differently. The spiritual realm intersects with different people differently. It just does. Some have profound spiritual experiences. Some have you know, a, a gift of prophecy or healing or something along those lines. Others have the gift of administration. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm an administrator. I need to get another park pocket protector. Um, you know, it's like, why can't I have the gift of prophecy? Why can't I hear from God the way that somebody else might hear from God? We all have different gifts. Why is that? I don't know. Why do some people have great spouses and other people have duds? I don't know. Why do some people have a great house and other people are homeless? Why are some people wealthy and some people broke? Why do some people wrestle with their health and others are just healthy until the day they take their last breath and they're like, yeah, I think it's time to go home now. You know, and, and it's like other people deal with illness their entire life. 
Why do some people hear from God regularly and other people not as much? Well, some people have visions and dreams, other people not as much. Now, does that mean that God won't speak to you, that God, no. And I encourage you to be open to God speaking to you and showing you things. But my experience has been there are some people who are gifted differently than other people, and we all, the, super, the supernatural and spiritual realm intersect our lives differently. God gives us all different experience and gifts. So take a deep breath, don't beat yourself up, and come along for the ride. My guess is, though, that you probably have had a God moment or two in your life. Like, you know God's real. The spiritual realm has intersected your life at one point or another. And, and, you know, maybe it's just coming to church. You know, I, I talk to people all the time who are like, I just love coming to church because... I leave feeling differently. It's like I can feel the, the, the heavy lifts and I can just feel God in the room or, or, or my heart feels different when I leave and I feel, that's God, that's, that's intersecting this. That's not, hey, I had a great experience. That's God in the spiritual realm intersecting with your life. And that's a, that's a good thing. I talk to people regularly who will start coming to church and I've shared this before and they'll just sit in the back and weep for months because they can't get through the music and the message without, and, and it's just the Holy Spirit is just working on them and healing things and they are having a profound spiritual experience and that's, that's awesome, that's legitimate, good stuff. I had a profound spiritual experience once, okay, maybe more than once, but once at least, it was, uh, it was while I was driving. Anybody ever have a spiritual experience when you're driving? Mostly they're negative spiritual experiences for me. I'm yelling at people. But, but, but this one, Christy and I had been married for about four years, and we were driving in our little two-wheel drive Toyota Tacoma pickup truck, just a little tin can. And we were on our way to visit her parents in upstate New York, and we were driving through Erie, Pennsylvania. This was in 2004. And we're cruising down the interstate. It's rush hour in Erie, Pennsylvania, which, I mean, everything's happening in Erie. It was, interstates were packed, and it, we were flying. We are going about 75 miles an hour. I was going my traditional 10 miles over the speed limit. Don't tell anybody. Um, and, uh, but just keeping up with traffic, just the flow of traffic. And we, it was, the interstate was packed. There were cars all around us. There was a triple-axle dump truck full of stuff right behind us, right on our tail. And we're cruising along the interstate. And up ahead, I see this black car coming up the rumble strip on the other side. And, it was, and I thought, oh, that's got to be an undercover cop car. I wonder what they're up to. And he was moving. I mean, he was going way faster than we were. And we were going 75 miles an hour. Well, as he comes up, there's a turnaround. And I'm th thinking, well, he's going to turn around there. I'm, I'm kind of curious. He blows by the turnaround, goes down into the median, and comes up the other side, literally fast and furious, guys, flies through the air like this, turns on its side, all four wheels off the ground, and he's coming straight at us. Now, at that, at that moment, you know, they say everything slows down when you're you kind of like, yeah, everything slowed down. I had this complete thought, like it all happened like that, but I had this complete thought, and the whole thing happened in slow motion. I was like, been married for four years, it's been a good run, going home. I mean, I was, I, was, I was dead. I mean, you don't walk away from a head-on collision at 80 miles an hour on the interstate, right? You just don't. You don't walk away from that. 
And um, so I hit the brakes. I mean, we barely skidded. There was barely a skid mark. I mean, we just did not have time to slow down or anything. And collision. And I remember opening my eyes, and I was in a white cloud. And I thought, I'm in heaven. But it was just the airbag. And, um, and uh, I looked over at Christy, and I was like, I was like, are you okay? Are you alive? She's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I, 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 was, I got out of the car and went and gave medical care to the guy that hit us. Uh, I had just a slightly broken wrist from that whole ordeal. And I, I promise you there were angels involved because you do not walk away from a head-on collision at 80 miles an hour. You don't. It just doesn't happen. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? There is a spirit realm. There are angels. We'll be talking about them in a few weeks. There are demons. We'll be talking about them in a couple weeks as well. There's a spiritual war going on around us. And, spiritual, and angels are, if you're a follower of Jesus, it says there are angels that look after us, that minister to us, that take care of us. Guys, I stand before you today, I believe, because the spirit realm intervened in my, my three-dimensional world and saved my bacon and my wife's bacon. You know, over the years, I've, I've, I've seen God intersect. I've seen amazing things happen. I, I remember one time we were on a youth retreat, and, uh, and one of the youth leaders woke up with a, a migraine. He had a, a history of migraines, and when he got one, it was, it was just, he was down, couldn't get out of bed for three days. And so this was the first morning of the retreat. He woke up, he has this migraine, he is down. He's like, I'm not coming down for breakfast. So we got the kids together and we went up and we laid hands on him and we prayed for him and just asked God to take the headache away and went back down, started eating breakfast. 20 minutes later, he comes running down the stairs. He's like, it's God. Sits down, eats breakfast, has a great retreat. And, and, and if you would have talked to him at the time, he would have told you that doesn't happen. These don't go away. Once they start cycling, there's no stopping it until you get come out on the other side three days later, 20 minutes later, gone. And, you know, from my perspective, heaven intersected earth and God did something. Now, the story that I tell quite frank, frequently is the story of my finger, my pinky, many years ago, uh, had some weird disease. I'm not even going to tell you what it was because you've never heard of it, uh, but was all swollen and painful and hot for over a year. And uh, it, was, it had become aggressive and was going, working its way down my finger they were talking about surgically removing my finger because they thought it was going to head for the rest of my body, and they did not want what they understood of it. They did not want that to happen. I was going in for an MRI in a few days, and a group of friends gathered around me and prayed for me, and it was powerful. It was a powerful prayer time, and I was really bummed out because nothing happened until the next morning when I woke up and I realized for the first time in a year the pain was gone. I looked at my finger. The swelling was gone. I still have scar tissue there. Ask me later, I'll show you. Healed. I called the doctor. 
in Morgantown. And I said, I don't think I need that MRI. She's like, why not? I said, well, okay, some people prayed for me. (laughs) And I woke up this morning and it's gone. It's better. The pain's gone. The swelling's gone. The heat's gone. All I think I've been healed. And she said, I think you have too. I was. I haven't had a problem with it since. I was on a, a, a vacation once with um, some friends, and uh, one of the ladies who we were there with, we were out hiking, and she fell and she broke her wrist. Now, I'm a, wilder, a trained wilderness EMT, uh, and so I'm like, all right, we'll splint it, you know, and we'll do this. And like, I get really excited when people get hurt. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but I know what I'm looking at. And she had, what, she had an angulated fracture in her wrist. Her wrist was like, it, you know, it wasn't straight. It was like deformed, broken, it was really broken. Not just a little broken, really broken in layman's terms. So I put a splint on her wrist to get back to the, just to hold it still while we got back to, to the house. Um, and we prayed for her. And we got back to the house about a half hour later, maybe, maybe an hour later. And she's like, it doesn't hurt anymore. I'm like, really? Because we were on our way to the hospital and uh, talking about surgery at that point. Um, We took the splint off and her wrist was straight and the pain was completely gone. And I was like, woo. I mean, that's like, okay. Now, I pray for people a lot. And... I wish I could say people always got healed when I prayed for them. They don't. But God does intersect our world. The spirit realm does intersect with our world. And, and if you're sitting there going, well, I've never seen anything like that happen. Well, have you ever prayed for somebody to be healed? Maybe you ought to start. I promise you not everybody will be healed. But if you start praying for people to be healed, some people will be. Some people will be. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. He wasn't talking about the church on earth. He was talking about a spiritual kingdom. He said, he said when you pray, say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your realm break into our realm. Your ways break into our ways. Jesus, brought, Jesus was the, the inbreaking of God's kingdom into our world when he came. And it was powerful. And he's been breaking in ever since. But he is the way. You know, what's very popular these days to say, I'm spiritual. You know, a lot of, a lot of spiritual curiosity, but not all spirituality is good. And, and this is an important point to understand. Not all spirituality is good. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Okay, Satan is not good, but he'll fake it. He'll pretend he's good to deceive you. It's not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Satan wants to kill you. He wants to kill your soul. He comes to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And he will provide and does powerful spiritual experiences to distract you from the spirit that will give you life. 
He will. And so people do things like seances and try and call up dead, the dead, dead relatives or tarot cards. Like if you have a tarot card app on your phone, delete that sucker right now. Bad stuff. Mediums, Ouija boards, witchcraft. People are like, oh, that's just, you know, that's just Harry Potter stuff. No, witchcraft is actually a spiritual door to a power that you don't want to be associated with. Because that spiritual realm, it's not just God. There's a battle going on between good and evil in that realm. And thank God we can't see into it most of the time because we would be terrified. You think COVID's got you scared and at home. That would really do it. But the Bible is very clear. This is not to be messed with. These things will jack you up. And the enemy is not above making it look good, making it seem right, certainly exercising power in those, those mediums in order to hook you, to lead you away from God, not to him. He's deceptive. Look, if you're messing with those things right now, run away. You need to, you need to repent you need to ask God for forgiveness. He's bigger than all those things. He'll, he'll, he'll make, make it right. He'll get you to where you need to be. But stop. Just stop. Those are not spiritually neutral things. There's a battle going on for your soul right now. And there are spiritual experiences that will lead you astray. And Jesus has made it very, very clear that he's the way. The life that you're looking for, the fulfillment, the, the power, the, the assurance about the future or the past or whatever, it's found in him. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the door to the spiritual connection you seek. I love this. In John chapter 10, verse 9, he says this. You ready for how profound this is? I am the door. You like how I did that? That's pretty good, huh? He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. He's, he's painting a, a word picture about a shepherd and, and, and sheep, and we're sheep. And if we go in the sheep gate, the, the, the door, that he's the door, if we go in through him, we end up in a really good spot with, you know, still water and green pasture and sunshine, and it's just this beautiful uh, pastoral scene. And then he says this, he says, the thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. He's talking about Satan. That's what he does. He's going, you go through that door, you're going to end up where you do not want to be. He's going to lead you astray, and he's battling for your soul. And then Jesus, I love, you know, I, I love this line. He says, I've come that they may have life. That's us, the sheep, that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. You know, so many people wonder, why does life feel flat? Why, why, does, it, why does it feel like a struggle? Why, why is there this longing inside of me? I feel like there should not or there, like there should be more. And the, 
And the reason is, is because we're not living in the light of this reality, this four-dimensional reality that, that we're, we're part of, that's going on all around us. You're a spiritual being who is having a human experience, and when we don't live in light of that, we will never feel fully alive. You're a four-dimensional creature living in a three-dimensional world. And life in all of its fullness is found in Christ. It's found in opening the door that is Christ and entering into a spiritual relationship with your heavenly Father. And it changes everything. It fills that need. We don't have to go on a haunted hayride anymore. In fact, what you'll find is like, well, how was I interested in that anyway? Because you'll be going after good spiritual things. He is the door to sp the spiritual realm. He is the door to fullness of life. He is the door to a relationship with God. In Revelations 3, Jesus says this. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Guys, ultimately, we, we cross over into the spiritual realm when we die. This side of heaven, what happens is we open the door and Jesus comes in and lives in our hearts. It's what we were created for, to have a spiritual connection and a spiritual relationship with the God of the universe. And he... He sent his only son, Jesus, who is God, but a different person. You know, that Trinity thing we don't understand. But he sends Jesus, and he becomes a three-dimensional. God becomes a three-dimensional creature in, in the form of his son, Jesus, lives a perfect life, and then dies on the cross because the payment for sin was death, and sin is what was separating God from us and us from God, and the payment had to be paid. And so Jesus pays that payment so that we can go through the door, so that he can knock at our door, the door of our heart, we can open that door, and his spirit can come and live inside of us and that spiritual world, that spiritual connection is on the inside of us. And Jesus made very clear the greatest miracle of all, greater than healings, greater than, than prophecies, greater than all those things, is when somebody opens the door of their heart to him. He had sent his disciples out on this this. Uh, mission and they had gone out and they were seeing all kinds of crazy things like demons were submitting to them and and uh, miracles all kinds of miracles they came back and were telling Jesus how excited they were about what was going on and Jesus was like whoa, whoa 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 don't get all excited about that stuff be excited that your names are written in the book of life be excited that you have opened your door the door of your heart to me the miracle of miracles, the scripture says very clearly, no one comes to the Father unless he draws us. There's a miracle, there's a spiritual dynamic there. And here's what I know, there are some of us watching this today and you have never opened the door of your heart to Jesus. And he is standing at the door, he is knocking, and he's asking. 
and he's waiting. He's not going to kick the door in. You have to open it. And I want to invite you to do that today. And the way you do that is very simple. You say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to, I'm going to turn around from the way that I've been going, and I'm going to walk towards you. And you receive his forgiveness, and you invite him to come and live in your heart. And if you've not done that, I want to invite you to do that right now. Let's all close our eyes, bow our heads, wherever you're sitting or standing or however you're watching this. But I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to invite you, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, to do that right now. And you need to say something along these lines. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you came to earth and died for me. And I need the forgiveness that you offer. I'm sorry. And I choose now to follow you. And I ask you to come and live in my heart. Fill the empty. Fill that longing. And change my life from this day forward. Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.